The guest on this podcast uh, is Daniel Samick, and uh, he is a former double NCAA basketball player and uh, now Male Pop for Kids co-founder. Uh, it was a great conversation with Daniel. Uh, learned a lot about his time in Israel, his time in the Israeli military, his journey through college and uh, his dreams of being a professional NBA player. Uh, we talked about Kobe Bryant and a lot more. So uh, it was a fun podcast and uh, enjoy. So Daniel, again, thank you so much for taking the time to join. Uh, I love your story. I love your company. I love what you're doing and I wanted to have you on. So um, again, thank you for taking the time to, to stop by. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, excited to be on the podcast and get to share my story. No, absolutely. So, in your own words, can you please, uh, you know, tell us tell us a little bit a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, your amazing company, and then uh, we'll get going. Absolutely. So, you know, my name is Daniel Somech. I'm originally from from Jerusalem, from Israel. I was born and raised there, and after serving three years in the Israeli military, uh, I decided to pursue my dream and, and came to the U.S. On, on a basketball scholarship with two suitcases and, and $500, and, you know, it was a wild, wild dream for me. I actually got recruited to UConn, which was the number one basketball school in the country. In, in, in wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, in, in 2007, and... You know, thought that was my destiny and, and, and was so excited about that. And unfortunately, I didn't make the final team there. You know, those players are unbelievable. And really, you know, some of them are in the NBA now, including Kemba Walker, who, who was on the same trip with me. And, you know, I knew in my heart after that trip that basketball is not going to be how I make a living and, and wanted to just focus on my academics and, and look to get into the best academic school that I could get. And ended up at Yeshiva University in New York and still got to play and got to study and had a wonderful experience there. And after that, graduated and, and joined corporate America. And my first job was at PwC, a big accounting firm. And I was excited to work at such a large company and see what it's like and learn how to be a professional. Um, but I didn't love what I was doing. I was doing internal auditing and wasn't so passionate about it. And was looking for a different opportunity and came across this great program at Thomson Reuters, something called the Business Graduate Program, which is a, a two-year rotational program where you get to learn about different parts of the company. There was a lot of training and development, and, and it was a, a great way to meet other you know, leaders from around the company. So you know, for someone like myself who wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do yet, that, that was a great way to experiment different types of roles, see what I like to do, what I'm good at, and, and learn from that. And ended up leading a business development for, for Reuters.com, the consumer-facing news website. And that's a job I, I, I truly loved, is figuring out how to monetize the, the website and a lot of different partnerships and ad techs and learning about technologies and websites and how everything works together. And, and knowing that my work helped power this you know amazing news resources which is Reuters is, is the most reliable news source in the world so knowing that I could help contribute to that was something I really enjoyed and had some success in that role and you know came came across this business competition this internal business competition that they had for employees and I thought you know what this looks really interesting I would love to try and see if I can come up with an idea to pitch there and came up with this idea for an application called Converge. And it started from a problem that I was personally having in, in such a huge organization. And there was, I believe there's you know, over a hundred thousand employees at the time. And, and you, know, you know the people on your team, you know the people around you, but there's so many people who you just pass every day. And for whatever reason, you just never say hello to them. You don't know them. And some of them were sitting a few, few roads down from me. And, I just never got a chance to meet them. And I came to the conclusion that it's because a part of me didn't feel comfortable to just go to people and introduce myself. Everybody looked really busy with headphones and their faces down on the computer. 
And I came up with this idea the application could select employees to meet based on their skills and preferences and being from different departments, uh, that would facilitate that introduction. Then it was synced with the employees' calendars so we could find the best date and time uh, to have those meetings. And it would just send the invitation for everybody to meet. And my thought was that everybody likes to be included and wants to participate, but nobody likes to initiate. So it, it was uh, something which I you know, truly enjoyed working on and, and came on, coming up with the idea uh, and bringing it to life. And it was a huge challenge, right? The, you know, I, I came up with this idea, I submitted it to the business competition, it got denied. I went back and, and kept working on it and, and got some more executive support, got denied again, kept working on it, kept garnering more support around the company and ended up getting 10 of the most senior executives to support the project. And they were like, okay, <laughs> you're not going to give up on this, you know, and they ended up giving me, I think it was close to half a million dollars to work on this project and, and developing the application. And it was something that I truly loved to do. And it was still had to do that while doing my full-time job working on, on the business development role. So that was a bit of a challenge, but I was able to get people to help me on the project and brought it eventually to life and started taking off. We ended up with thousands of employees participating and, and great reviews and feedback and it was a way for people to learn about each other create these connections within the company and find ways that they can help each other they, they, there's such big projects over there that they might not even realize they're working on the same project so a way to kind of close the gap and and, and get people to understand what how they can help um so it, it was something i really enjoyed and we were, we were getting ready to take it to market to license this technology to, to other big companies who can benefit from it um, but unfortunately, Thomson Reuters as a whole was not doing so well, and there was major restructuring. And, and unfortunately, because my application was not bringing in revenue yet, it, it got discontinued, and I lost my job. And you know, was disappointed because I really wanted to see that through and, and take it to market and, and make something even more special out of it. But I was extremely grateful for that opportunity and, and to be able to work on something like that. And get the experience and, and develop the skills needed to, to bring an idea like that into, into the world and get people to use it and excited about it. Um, and after that experience, you know, everybody was talking about startups, startups, you know, and it's something which was always intriguing to me and wanted to, wanted to, to, to explore that possibility and ended up in a, in a great startup in New York called Jetty and there was a great team there, a great culture. They, they were growing pretty fast. And, you know, it was really exciting times for me to, to learn what it's like to even work in a startup and, and how to get things done. And, you know, was there for, for almost a year and a half. And, and then COVID hit and, you know, kind of surprised everybody. And, and like millions of others, I, I lost my job and found myself at home with, with my wife and my two children. And, had all this time on my hand to, to observe them more than I normally get to and noticed that our kids were not paying attention to their online Zoom classes as much as we wanted to when everybody had to quarantine. And, and then they uh, wanted to watch a movie and play on the iPad. It was, it was a lot of screen time. And the one thing they got excited about each day was getting something in the mail, packages, letters, and they always had the same question to me of, of why aren't any of these letters addressed to us? And that kind of gave me an, an idea. If they have all this enthusiasm towards receiving the letters, maybe I can write my own letters to them just to do something fun as a family, to have this bonding time with them and, and get them off the screens. And I started writing my own letters to them. I put a little toy in there and I, I put it in our mailbox and our kids would go, they would bring it in. They were so excited to see their name on it. We, we read it together as a family and, and I saw how much they enjoyed it and how much they were learning from it. And I realized this could be something that many other families could benefit from and, and a great idea for a business and decided to just go for it with my wife and I. And it was, it's always been my dream to, to start my own business and be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't sure what to do or when to even try. And kind of the stars aligned at that moment and, and I had this idea and I decided to just really go for it and we've been doing it now for, for nine months and, and our mission is to spark kids intellectual curiosity and help them develop the love for learning and reading 
And the way we do that is by sending out these beautiful educational letters with a paper craft toy delivered to the kids' mailboxes each week. So every week they get a new letter from us. Every week is a different theme for them to learn about. And there's a lot of, a lot of different components to each letter. So we have the content of the week, then we have the word of the week to help build up the kids' vocabulary. We have the question section, which is meant to spark a conversation in that household. Uh, on the back of the letter, we have an activity sheet that's to help the kids work with pens and markers and help with their problem solving skills and, and cognitive development. And so they do things like a word search and a maze and a coloring in section. And, and we also have um, an enrichment activity, which is another activity for the kids to do and prolong this experience. And, and then the paper craft toy comes in a card, they pop it out, they glue it together, and they get a new toy correlating to the theme they just learned about to take that learning experience into play and really try and create something special. So, you know, it's it's been an exciting time and, and we're trying to do everything we can now to, to keep going and, and grow the company. I know that was a very long answer. Oh, but- no, that was, that was perfect. That was perfect. And then actually, I love how it ties into my next question because um, I love everything that your, your company is doing with kids. So for me, that begs the question, how did you grow up? You know, growing up for you as a kid, in Israel, how was that experience like? Yeah, you know, I, I had a, a great childhood. You know, I, I grew up, uh, I would say, in a middle-class family and, and grew up in a, in a special area in Jerusalem with this big orchard behind where, where we lived in my house. And I spent a lot of my childhood outdoors and in nature and just exploring there and playing with my friends. And, you know, a big part of my childhood was really off technology. I, I didn't even, you know, have an email address until I was 20 years old. I wouldn't wow. near computers. Uh, I spent a lot of time playing basketball. So, you know, mentioned that before and just really enjoyed being outdoors, being with my friends, playing basketball, hanging out. And I think that's part of what helped me think of kind of this idea and, and, and now an idea that's kind of low tech off the screens. And you know something else with, with my childhood is so I, I have learning disabilities. I, I'm dyslexic, so it was very hard for me to to read and to learn how to read and write as a, as a kid. And unfortunately, nobody could get me excited about even trying. It was always a battle to try to get me to practice and get me to to do it. And you know, when thinking about it now with my own kids and, and kids in general, is like how can we make it so exciting for them? How can we make it so fun for them that it doesn't feel like a homework or an assignment or or taking them away from playing or being with their friends? And, and that's all of that kind of came into fruition with, with developing MailPop and thinking about it. And, and that's why you know, the first thing you see when you open up the letter is that each letter is beautifully designed and, and meant to look like a piece of artwork on its own merit to really draw in the kids, get their imagination going. And the education is infused around the artwork, so it doesn't look like a you know like a boring word document, but it's this vibrant, beautiful piece of art that they can admire, and and, and then they see all these words around here, what's going on here, and, and learn, and then the games on the back and the toy, and and in the end of the day, they're they're learning a new theme or or reinforcing what they already learned in school, and doing it in a way that they're excited about, right? And, and they want to do it, and, and their name is on the letter, so it's it's feels personal to them. And, and I think that's the real magic in what we're doing is not necessarily teaching kids how to learn or giving them the repetition, but this that moment of delight when they get their letter and they see their name on it and that element of surprise, what's going to be the, the theme? How's the, what's the design going to look like? What's the toy going to look like? And keep them you know, engaged every week that they're looking forward to this to build those habits of, of, of learning and, and enjoying learning from a young age and do it in a way that experts recommend by holding a, a real piece of paper, working with pens and markers to do the activity sheet, uh, creating the toys with their hands and working on their fine motor skills and focus. So really to try to give them this full experience to do this fun activity and at the end of the day, just really enjoy it. That, that's what it's all about. Sure. And I, and I really love that because I think it's clear we can all agree that at least especially over the last few years, and especially during the pandemic, we're seeing a transition where technology is taking over kids' attention, yeah. it's taking over relationships, 
it's taking over a lot of things and we're getting to the point where we're prioritizing technology over interpersonal relationships and over interactions, uh, which is a lot of the things that Millpop Kids represents. So I love that that ideology of, of keeping uh, or at least saving our kids from, mm -hmm. um, from growing up in an environment where there's no interaction, where they're not playing like kids should be playing. Um, I love that that's actually built into the foundation of your company. Yes, and, and even more so, you know, especially now during the pandemic, we're seeing that the kids' time on the screens has gone up. Um, and there's a lot of research that shows that the more time the kids spend on the screens, it's actually, you know, a lot of negative results to their development. So uh, there's even a whole movement in Silicon Valley with all these tech executives not letting their kids near technology because they know how harmful it can be. You know, that was well documented in the movie Social, um, what's the name of the movie? It's escaping me now. Social Dilemma, where they really kind of speak about that and the repercussions of, of, of you know, screen time and these kind of social networks. Um, so that's one thing we're hoping to get the kids a break from the screens, right? I don't, I don't think we're a silver bullet that they're not going to go back to it, but at least to give them a break on a weekly basis and, and do something that's going to provide them with an educational resource. And then also, you know, just thinking about uh, the kids' attention spans and the parents' attention spans, everything has become more shortened. So for a kid to get a whole magazine and to try and complete that, they're probably not going to sit down and do the whole magazine or or a big science kit or a big activity kit, which could take you know several hours to complete. I think today's parents and kids are just, maybe it's, it's hard for them to do, right? They're, they're distracted, they wanna go on to the next thing. So MailPup is a you know, fairly quick activity. They can finish everything between 20 to 30 minutes and have this meaningful educational conversation around a new theme each week uh, and, and have that special bonding experience with each other uh, to really make it into to something that they would look forward to. Um, and then also, you know, with the environment, right? You think of all the toys that parents buy their kids these days, a lot of it is made out of plastic. And, and in reality, the kids love getting the toys, they enjoy it, they play with it. But admittedly, after, you know, a handful of times or over time, that excitement fades away and those toys get shoved to the corner of your home or tucked into a drawer. And they, they never play with it or, or rarely play with it. And it's not good for, for the parents' pocket. It's not good for the environment. And, and we believe we can do better. So, you know, I'm proud to let you know that everything we do is made out of sustainable, recyclable materials. Um, and, and something, again, this part of our mission and something that we're proud of that we can try and find a, an alternative for parents who are more conscious about that. And, and of course, you know, have the environment first and foremost in, in everything we do, because without that, you know, what are we going to have left? Absolutely. No, absolutely. I love that. And then speaking of parents and kids, mm -hmm. for you growing up, you know, usually parents always like to instill or they already have an idea of what, they're, what they want their child to be. Right. So for you growing up, did your parents kind of want you to go the sports route? Obviously, you're, you're an athlete and, right. and you ended up going that route in college. Uh, so did you, did your parents have an idea of what they wanted for you? Did you have an idea of what you wanted for yourself? Obviously now you're a businessman, so you've come a long way. Um, so how was that? Um, how was that time in your life? Yeah. So I was lucky that my parents always allowed me to kind of pursue my dreams. It's never like, I didn't have strict parenting to say, we want you to become this and, and kind of driven to that. And none of my parents were, were athletes themselves. So it's something that I developed a love for, you know, basketball on my own. And they always encourage me to pursue what I love. And, and I think um, that's a big part of, you know, what I am today and, and molded me into the person I am today. And a lot of support that came along the way, right? They, they driving me to practices, filming tape, uh, getting me ready, you know, helping me with everything I needed for school, especially me being dyslexic, I needed tutoring and additional help, right? So I think they, they did as best as they can to help me create a, a, a future for myself, right? Where I, where I could find success. And, um, you know, me moving to New York was not an easy decision, leaving my parents, my family, my brother, 
Um, but it just seemed like the right thing to do. It was an amazing opportunity. It was a way for me, you know, even going to college was not something I was particularly considering. Even, you know, in high school, I wasn't the best student. And um, I think my, my perspective changed a lot now as I matured and got older. You know, when I was younger, I didn't realize how important school is, how important education is. It kind of just, it was always hard for me. So I, I never enjoyed it. And, you know, it was tough. And I think, you know, a big part of why I'm doing Mail Pop now is I, I understand now how important it is. And I wish that a younger version of me did pay more attention, did care more, and did better in school because I think it would have made things even, you know, a little or, or, or much easier for me sure, sure. growing up. And um, I think that's a unique perspective that I bring to Mail Pop is from the kids' perspective because you have, we do have an educational advisor who reviews everything and makes sure it's engaging and age appropriate and all the content is licensed through Encyclopedia Britannica Kids. And, you know, I'm happy to discuss that partnership and why that was so important to us. But I'm bringing the perspective of, of a kid who, who just really didn't enjoy learning and, and how can we make it exciting for kids, right? So not just kids with learning disabilities, but for any kid. And, and I think that's a lot of the times where maybe traditional educators, they can't bring that perspective because they didn't go through that on their own, right? They usually, yeah. they excel academically. So I, I think that's part of... Um, why I was able, along with my wife, to, to come up with this and do it in such a unique way. Sure, absolutely. And then it's clear to me that uh, uh, you bring the the Black Mamba mentality yes. into yes. your business, right? Yes. And 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 I know that uh, we, we talked about this a few weeks back, that Kobe was one of your favorite players. Yeah. So can you kind of talk about how that... Um, how his mentality has impacted you either as a person in business, either even if it was your basketball career. Can you speak on one of the ways that that's impacted you? Because a lot of people respect Kobe and Absolutely. everybody tries to kind of have that mentality. So for you, um, how would you say that was kind of instrumental? And this could be in any part of your life. It could be now, in the past. Yeah, so kinda... I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, Kobe was my idol growing up. Uh, I had posters of him all over my walls and, you know, I had this big basketball dream and, and just really admired. The first thing I admired was just the way he played, right? It was, you know, very flashy and it was, you know, he, he was an amazing player and, and the confidence that he exuded when he played and the charisma that he had. And I think I was just drawn to him as, as like, wow, this is different than, you know, the rest of the players. And a spectacular player and just trying to emulate his moves. I would take my ball and watch you know, his videos and try to copy the dribbling and the shooting. And he helped me fall in love with the game and, and really, you know, something that I, I felt so in love with and enjoyed doing. So it never to me seemed like hard work playing basketball. Sometimes you look at it in retrospective, oh, how can you do all those practices and conditioning and weight training and, and nutrition and for me, I just enjoyed it. And being on the court was was freedom to me. It, it kind of came a little bit more natural to me. I had some, you know, talent that I could develop over time. So, you know, it's the one thing of me not being so well academically in the classroom, but on the court, I, you know, I could beat everyone and dominate. And, and yeah. it's something which I truly, truly enjoyed. And, and then just learning more about Kobe over time, following his career, and how he conducts himself, the Mamba mentality, what that's all about, uh, of you know, really being the best version of yourself and every day getting a little bit better, right? And and, and that's something I've strived in, in my personal life and in, in business and in, in that grit mentality. You know, you see him when he gets injured, he doesn't show it, he plays through it. Or if he's sick, he doesn't play through it. Or, or you know, if the teammate, something's going on there, he'll figure out how to get everybody on board and, and yeah. motivate them. And the, the grit, that toughness, you know, I think is is something which is so important, especially in today's world, because there's so many obstacles, there's so many challenges in people's life. And, you know, one setback in really affect you. So how can you learn how to deal with these setbacks and keep moving forward and learning from them and, and trying to grow? So I, I love that about Kobe. You know, I, I watched all of his interviews. I read all his books, all the documentaries. 
Our, our basketball theme letter is, is actually dedicated to Kobe. I, I designed that one myself. We, we have um, unbelievable, amazing you know, designers who designed the letters, but that one, it was very important for me to, to really, every detail on it, you know, yeah, do it myself. And, and, and the word of the week for that one is, is inspiration and it's on Kobe's jersey. And, and, you know, it's a small way that I could honor him and, and do something that, you know, really helped me a lot and, and short in a way like that to, to other kids and, and hopefully they can find their source of inspiration because when you have someone to look up like that, dad, and, and trying to, you know, emulate some of the, the good qualities that you see in them, I think that's a great way for, for anybody to learn and especially someone like Kobe. No, I love that. I love that. Everybody loves Kobe and, uh, you know, it, it's still surreal today that he's no longer here. It's, he's one of those players that we all just thought would just live forever. Absolutely. You know, like my, Michael Jordan, he's, it looks like he's existed forever, right? Like he's never, <laughs> nothing's ever going to happen to him, you know? And we, I think that's all we all kind of saw, saw Kobe. Um, such an yeah. amazing athlete in person. Um, and that even leads me to my next question when we talk about, you know, the black member mentality, right? So in business, when it comes to being a businessman or businesswoman, you have to have a very, very strong mindset. I think we could all agree about that. So how would you say being in, you know, being enrolled in the Israeli military mm -hmm. um, impacted you as a man? Oh, uh, yeah. How did it affect you? How did it change your mentality or not change your mentality on the world? Um, and how did that kind of contribute to who you are as a person today and in business? Right. So, so I went in as a boy and, and they made me into a man. So that's, that's one thing how they helped him. You know, the army for me was, um, was a tough experience. I, I got drafted two weeks after finishing high school and you know, wow. I was finally done with high school. I thought I would have some free time to enjoy and hang out with my two friends. Weeks. Two weeks after finishing, I was already in a uniform and didn't go in with the best positive mindset, especially because, um, no, I wanted to continue playing basketball. I played basketball my entire childhood and, and you know, my, my teen years. And I wanted to continue to try, you know, play in college or play professionally. So I was looking for a role in the army that would allow me to continue to play. And, and that's not easy to get. And there's far and few between roles like that. So I got drafted to be a, a commander of basic training soldiers, which meant that I would have to do my own basic training then learn how to be a commander and then take other soldiers through their basic training. So it was a very intensive program where, you know, physical training and, and lectures and, and, you know, how to present, how to lead, all these great things that, you know, at the time I kind of took for granted because I wasn't so happy just being there. But, you know, again, in retrospective, just just being out of your comfort zone you know living in a tent with with 16 other guys for for six months with very tight you know quarters or privacy and just puts you in, in these difficult situations you know the food's not great you have to wake up early it's a lot of physical you know labor all, all day long you put into risky situations right um so it, it made me tougher and, and it made me appreciate the civilian life afterwards even more you know being able to go and do whatever i want versus you know you're on a tight schedule with the army you have to follow all their commands and where to be and how to do things so it allows me to appreciate my civilian life a lot more after going through that experience and it definitely made me into a more resilient person, right? I feel like, you know, I, you can throw me anywhere and, and I'll figure it out. Uh, I, I won't cry about it, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, figure out what, what, how to get out of that situation. Right. And um, the friendships I made, you know, during the army, some of my, my closest friends at the time of just spending so much time together and going through those kind of experiences, you can't help but, but connecting with the people that way. And, I didn't love it, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Looking back, I'm, I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm glad I served my country. And, and I, I think I got a lot out of it. A lot out of it. And that's, that's great. And then for the, for the, any Israeli youth that mm -hmm. uh, see this video or this podcast, uh, they're either getting drafted in a few weeks or they're going to be getting drafted in a few years. 
Right. Uh, what advice would you give them based on your experiences? Yeah, I, I would say go go with the flow. Don't, don't try and, 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 you know, don't try and set yourself apart or, or do something you're not supposed to, you know, you really, you don't have much control. You, you have to listen to them. You have to follow their guidance. You have to trust the process and, and to find ways to enjoy it, right? It's very easy to be bogged down with all the negative things. Oh, I'm living in a tent. The food's no good. I'm tired all the time. You know, I don't get to see my friends from home, all these different things. But try and focus on the positive things. Like, wow, I'm, you know, learning how to, to live in, in, in the wilderness. I'm learning survival skills. I'm learning combat skills. I'm learning leadership skills. I'm getting to meet new people. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, doing all these different things that most people don't get to do, right? So I think it's just staying positive, knowing that it, it will come to an end too, right? It's not your whole life, but it's a temporary thing. You know, when you, when you think about it from the start, three years, wow, that's a long time to do this. But now looking back, it, it felt like it went in a flash, right? So it's sometimes when you're in that moment is making the most out of it and, and knowing that there will be a, a future after this. It's, sure. it's, not, it's, not, it's not the end. Sure, no, absolutely. And then, so moving forward, right? You get out the military and let's, let's fast forward to when you're in college now. So where is your mind state at this point? Uh, right now, are you looking to possibly become a professional NBA player? Um, are you looking to get into business world? Are you looking to just, you know, graduate and, and get a, a high paying job that you love? Where's your mind state around this point? Yeah, well, I was just so excited uh, to finish the army and to be in New York and be start my education and get to play basketball. It was a, a really exciting time for me. And I was so happy to, to pursue my dream and just to take one step back. You know, I always remember before we were about to finish the army and I was sitting with all my buddies and, and everybody was talking about what they want to do after the army. And everybody was saying, no, I want to go traveling. I want to start working. I wanted this. And, and it got to my turn. And I said, you know what? I, I want to get a basketball scholarship and move to the U.S. And everybody started laughing. Oh, you know? wouldn't that be nice? You know, because it, it seems so far-fetched. It seems so, like, so hard and so impossible. And my base was on the border between Israel and Gaza. So it's even more of a, you know, heated area over there. And right. it just seemed like, you know, it's this insurmountable thing to accomplish. But so when I finally, you know, was able to get it and come here, I was just open-minded and ready to go. And, you know, basketball was, at that time, I still thought there could be a way for me at least to play professionally in Israel. So play, play for college, get my degree, move back and play for, for either the Jerusalem professional team or, or a different team in Israel. Um, but as I started, you know, going through university, you know, basketball started kind of taking a, a back seat. You know, I started really focused on my academics. I, I really enjoyed business school. That's what I studied. I studied international business and economics. It was much different than the subjects I was learning in, you know, in high school and elementary yeah. also business and how companies work. And, and I thought, you know, I found a real love and passion for that. And, and you know, I've, I've already spent four years in the U.S. in New York. You know, my whole social life was here. And I was contemplating after graduating, should I go back? I had the opportunity to maybe play professional uh, for a team in Israel, but it wouldn't have been a lot of money. It wouldn't have been necessarily a lot of playing time. And I had that job offer at PwC. And I said, you know what? I, I got to take the responsible decision here. It could have been to fulfill my childhood dream and play a little bit more and do it. But at the same notion, I, I knew this opportunity here would be, you know, a lot better for me in the, in the long run and in something that I wasn't ready to give up and ended up staying here and, and happy with my decision. You know, looking back at it, it's been uh, 10 years exactly. So I graduated in 2011. So 10 years to the date and I'm happy that I ended up here and staying here and how my, my life unfolded since. No, that's great. That's great. And one thing that you said stuck out to me, which is when you said you wanted to get a scholarship to play in America, nobody believed in you, or at least a lot of people didn't believe that would really happen. And that's something that a lot of us in society deal with all the time. You know, we want to do amazing things, but we don't have the support system. We don't have the right 
people around us. And I feel like a lot of times that pushes people off the track yeah, because they feel like, well, nobody believes in me. Um, it's probably not going to happen. Right. Right. So one thing that separates people at the top from everybody else is that belief in themselves. Yeah. So for you, where do you think that came from, that drive to succeed, that drive to accomplish, that drive to thrive? Yeah. Where do you think for you that came from, even I, against all the odds? Yeah, I think I, I was very lucky in, in the sense when I was younger that I knew that basketball is my thing. So like, I think it was even the age of, of 13 or 14, told my parents, you know, I'm going to become a a professional basketball player. I I made my mind up in in such a young age, you know, I was so focused on that and and I wasn't going to let anything stop me from pursuing my dream. Now now that part is, you know, I don't know if it's something you're born with or, or, you know, my parents, my my father was always very supportive of me, put a lot of confidence in me, you know, if you wanted to go for it, try your best. And I think that helped me a lot. So, you know, just being locked in and what I want to do on such a young age and working towards that goal of, you know, I need to get better. I need to get stronger. How do I even get to colleges? Like learning that process versus someone who doesn't really know what they want to do yet. And they're exploring different things and and they bounce around and and they never kind of focus on one thing. And, you know, before you know it, you you don't know what you're doing and, and it's happening. You kind of just go with emotion and you end up somewhere, right? So for me, it was having that laser focus kind of objective. I want to be a professional basketball player. I, I, I wrote my brother a note. You know, if I make it, I'm going to buy you a car. I gave it to him as like a little kid. And that, you know, gave me motivation. Like, I, I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. Um, and I think the love for the game helped a lot. I just enjoyed it so much. I felt, you know, free on the court. I, I had so much fun playing. Um, and, and then once... Once I took that mindset of, you know, if, if I can make it in basketball, maybe I can take that mindset into other things I do in life. Oh. And, and, and I think that mindset is, is, is the determination, the grit, the tenacity, and, and the belief in yourself that no matter what, you'll figure out a way how to get it done. And I think that could be hard for people when you've never done something like that, or it's scary, or where do you even start? And even with mail pop, you know, when, when I was first came up with the idea with my wife, is like just looking at the to-do list of to get this thing off the ground and how much is needed. And it's like, you know, people can look at that and be like, ah, I don't know, this is overwhelming on its own. Will it work? Will it not work? There's only one way to find out. Right. There's only one way to find out. And it's it's baby steps, but every day you're building on the progress that you made. And you're not gonna build it in one day. You're not gonna build it in one month. We're nine months in, and we're still not done, right? We're, we're, we're every day we're evolving, we're growing, we're getting better. And, and that's the mindset is is you know first of all that no matter what you'll figure it out. You you it's it's I would say like problem solving skills is the one of the biggest things everybody should kind of learn to do in life and overcome this objections in their own mind of things that could stop them or why they should be doing it. And people like to think right towards the negative things. Oh, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too much right. money. I don't have time for this. How can I possibly do it? I don't have the skills. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy from Israel who moved here with $500 and dyslexic and, and I figured it out and I, I'm, I'm doing it right. We're not quite there yet, but we're, we're, we're at least chasing that dream and we're trying to get it done. And that's part of what I hope I can, you know, inspire other people. Like if, if, if this guy can do it, you know, he, he speaks with an accent, he, you know, he's dyslexic. if he can do it, you know, why can't I do it? Why can't I? And, and I think that's something, you know, when Giannis won the championship with Milwaukee and he said, you know, this is to show all the international kids, you know, you can become an MVP and this and that. Well, Giannis is seven foot and a freak of nature athlete, you know, so not many people are like him, but, you know, to show them that there's another way out. It doesn't have to be sports. It's just finding something that you love to do. And I think that's the real secret. That's the real secret to all of this. You know, if it was for basketball, if it was what I did with Converge with, with Thompson Waters, which I truly enjoyed, now with Mail Pop. And when you find that thing 
it's just everything goes easier. And, and I've had jobs where I didn't enjoy it. And it was, you know, soul sucking job. And I would get to work every day and I'd be miserable and looking at my watch. When can I go home? When's the lunch break? And if you come in with that kind of attitude, you're not going to be able to be successful. You're not going to make it. So trying to find the things that you love is going to help you go a long way. And I used to hate when people say that to me. I used to go to lecture. You just have to find that thing that you love. You know? I said, yeah, well, I like to hang out on the beach and, and enjoy it. <laughs> I make a job out of that. Right. So it's, it's being realistic with it. It's not just, right. you know, I love, but like, how can you turn it into something? And for me, I work on mail pop, you know, nonstop, I, but I enjoy it. I, I wake up every day excited to get to my computer, seeing what's the latest, what can we be doing better? How can we, you know, grow the company? And, and having that passion for something is, is, is really, you know, such an important thing. And I think one of, you know, the skills that I have is, is identifying these things that I like to do and chasing them, right? You, it's one thing to identify, but then to actually try and do something about it. And, and I think that's where a lot of people maybe put up their hands and like, okay, I would love to do that, but I don't even know how to get started or, you know, this seems too risky. Right. And I've figured out these ways of, you know, just, just going forward and, and having that mindset that I, I'm going to try my best. I, I'm not going to stop until it's successful. Like even with basketball, you know, when I, when I first started, I wasn't the best guy in my team. I barely got playing time. You know, I was just, you know, happy to be in the practice. And over time, you get better and better and you keep working. And people start giving up. You know, they said they didn't see a future for themselves, even though they were great players. And, and they kind of gave up and quit. And I just kept sticking with it, sticking with it. And it ended up in, you know, in a basketball scholarship. And same thing with MailPub. Now I'm just at it, at it, all day long, trying to figure out, trying to get better at it. And, and I think eventually we'll get there. I, I think we will. And... And I'm excited for that day because a big part of it is giving back as well. And, you know, part of what we're doing here is, is inspiring someone who, who listens to this and say, you know what, I can do it too. And, and that should be, you know, what, what Kobe did for me. And if I could do it for, for one person even, you know, I, I think that'd be incredible. That inspiration, that, that belief in yourself, that, that willingness to go for it, to dream big. Uh, so I'm excited for the future and, and, and see what we can do with it. I love, love, love the response you just gave, especially when it ties into perseverance, mm -hmm. because it's something that I feel like a lot of people um, lack. Mm -hmm. We live in a society now where it's we, we need that quick hit, right? We need to see quick results. Okay. Even on YouTube, if you think about it, you're watching a YouTube video, you come across a 10 minute video, you're like, no, that's 12, 10 minutes. That's no matter how much value it seems right. to have, like, I don't have 10 minutes. You go watch a video that has like two minutes or like 30 seconds. Right. We're, we're, we're being conditioned to have a shorter attention span. Yeah. And I think that ties into perseverance as well, because now um, it's hard for a lot of people to persevere through the difficult times. Yeah. You can even talk about Kobe and the, and the Black Mamba mentality. Kobe used to talk about all the time, even Jordan as well. They used to talk about the fact that there's so much time that they put into work behind the scenes, right. persevering after the game, going back to the practice court, putting the work, shooting basketballs, doing exactly. drills that you don't see. And I think that speaks to perseverance, like you just said, persevering through the hard times. Mm -hmm. Like the saying goes, slow and steady wins the race. Right. And I think you're a great example of that you know, persevering through the military, persevering through um, hardships in college, perse persevering through your basketball career, persevering through your current business. I think it's something that we can all learn from. Um, and I love that you touched on that. So, so thank you. I really appreciate that. Of course. Um, and then you mentioned something earlier too that also stuck out to me, which is, you know, the nine to five life and how for a lot of people, uh, myself included, I, I found myself in these shoes a couple of years ago where you're just going to work. It's sucking your soul. You're not happy. Sometimes you're making a lot of money and you're still not happy. So for you, my question is pre-pandemic, you're currently a business owner. Was it already something that was building in the back of your mind? Like, you know what? I need to start a business. I don't know yeah. what it is right now, but I'm a businessman at heart. And eventually I'm going to own a business. Was this something that was already in the back of your mind? It, it was, it was, you know, I was always tinkering with ideas, always coming up with stuff that, you know, maybe one day could be a business, but 
it was never something that you know I thought I was ready for. I was waiting for the right idea in the right the right timing, and I don't think I would have been able to do any of this if I didn't do my prior jobs. You know, the experience at PwC, the experience at Thomson Reuters, founding my own application, working at a startup like Jetty. That gave me the foundation, the tools, all the people that I've met along the way, you know, all the training sessions, all the experience that that gave me. And, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who always seeks out learning opportunities, seeks out to, to meet people. You know, the whole application was about connecting people because I wanted to meet people you know, in a way that I maybe couldn't have done by myself or, or any other way. So I, I think that's a big part of it is, is you know these experiences that you have along the way you, you can't just expect that you're going to you know necessarily be ready and, and it's different for every every person right some people you know i know there's people who didn't even finish high school and they're very successful business people and have amazing businesses so it's really each person and where they think you know they can make that move if they want to make it for me is like i don't think i could have done any of this without this prior experience that i've had uh, and that gave me the confidence and the and the belief in myself that I can do something like Mailpop because I've done it in a big corporation, I've done it in other places, um, and it's something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be, you know, a business owner. I always wanted to create something. I love creating things, and uh, the timing was right. The, the idea came to me in the right time, and, and you know, doing it as a family and with my kids and doing it with them, and, and you know. It, Male purpose for me is somewhat of, of a hack because I get to do my job, but I also get to be allowing my kids doing it, right? It's something that they enjoy too, they can relate to. Uh, and, and it's a way for me to, to bond with them. And, and during the working hours, I can show them the materials, show them the toys, we can do it together. We can you know, ask them for their feedback, you know? So it's been a, it's been a blessing in that way as well that I get to, to share it with them. And, the, the inspiration behind it, right? I wouldn't have come up with this idea without them. I did it for them to start. So sure. everything happens in, in life for a reason, in the right time, I believe it. And you just have to, to be ready for it. You know, when it does come or, or you feel like the time is right and you just have to go for it. There's, there's no, there's nothing else. It's not just gonna happen on its own. Nobody's gonna give it to you. You have to, you want something, you got to go out there, you got to figure it out and, and you got to make it happen, right? Sure. And, and, and that's what I love about this. It challenges me every day, especially what's in my own business. You know, when you work for a big company, you can have some days where you're not at your peak, right? You know, you go through the motions, you do what you need to do, but you're not maybe as proactive. With this is like, if I'm not proactive, if I'm not doing the work, nobody's going to do it for me. So it's every day, you know, overcoming challenges that we have, figuring things out, speaking to people, figuring out how to grow it and, and working on the product. And if you don't like it, if you don't love what you do, it's very hard to do that, right? Because there's so much involved, you know, just thinking about all the things I do, like the product side, the marketing, the technology, finance, accounting, uh, you know, customer support, all these different partnerships. I sweep the floors here in the office, right? Everything you can imagine is right. we, we do it here on our own. And if you don't love it, it's it's just I don't know how you can do it. No, no, you're right. You're right. And I, I like what you just said about especially the phrase go for it. Right. And uh you make it sound easy, but for a lot of people is is really not that easy because uh this is something that holds a lot of people back. There's so many examples of people not going for it, right? You're in a job that you hate. Instead of leaving and finding the courage to put yourself in a better position, you don't do it. You could be in a bad relationship or abusive relationship. Instead of finding the courage to leave, you don't go for it. It could be you live in an area you don't like, right? Right. But your family's there, it feels comfortable, it feels safe. Um, you get complacent and you don't go for it. You don't find the courage to go for it. So in your case, starting a business in a pandemic of all times, right. how did you find the courage to go for it and create a business in this type of environment? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and it's a few things. One was, uh, it was very hard for me to find another job, right? It was the pandemic, there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of companies in the beginning were not hiring right away. There's a lot of hiring freezes, what's gonna happen? And even though with all my, my background and experience and skills, I wasn't 
finding a job that I truly wanted to do or thought matched my skills and experience level. And after doing it for months, I've spent so much time preparing for these interviews, getting interviews, doing their assignments that they give you, speaking with recruiters and networking. And I didn't have much to show for it after all these months. And I said, you know what, if I spent all this time and effort of creating something, as opposed to just looking for a job, I feel like I would have made more progress and had something to show. So it was, it was in some sense, frustration building up of not being able to find a new job. And that combination of me wanting to do something on my own already and, and, and thinking like, okay, I have all this time already at home. You know, I'm already just sitting here. Let me, let me try, let me try. And, and it was first just coming up with ideas, thinking when the mail kind of hit me one day with the kids, when bringing in the mail and then seeing the reaction to it. And I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm also decent at is finding these, these little observations in life. Like if, if it was in converge of like, people just are not naturally going to each other and introducing each other. And, and I had that problem too. And I was like, maybe that's something that other people have this problem with. And maybe if I share my problem, they'll admit that they're struggling with that as well. And it'll be a, something that we, I can see as a common issue and we can solve it together. And with Mail Pop, it was, you know, the screen time, the Zoom classes all day, then the TV and, and the iPads. And how can I get them excited to do something else? And, and you know, I was not the only parent with, with this problem. Everybody's going through this, right? So yeah. it, it's finding those those commonalities that maybe are overlooked or, or people just, that they, they have them, but that's it. They're not going to do anything about it. And sure. for me, when I have a problem is, I like to try and fix that problem, right? I like to try and find a solution for it. And if it's a solution that can not only help me, but can help others, I think that's when you can create something special. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so I have three more questions for you. I'm gonna ask them now and then I'll ask them again. I just wanna make you aware of what the questions are. So the mm -hmm. first question is, what is your vision for MailPop? Mm -hmm. um, the second question is, um, where do you see uh, MailPop in, in, in a couple of years? I mean, I guess that's, that, that also ties into the first question yeah. um, as well. So let's start with that one. So what is your vision for, for MailPop Kids? You know, for, for MailPop, it's really first and foremost to keep making the product as good as we can, to really get the kids excited about it each week to get their letters. And, and that's kind of a, a driving mantra in the company. And what I tell our designers and the educational advisors, advisors is that our goal is to make each letter better than the one before. So the kids are delighted. The parents see the value in paying for this. Because in the end of the day, the product, if the product is not good, if the experience is not good, nothing's gonna work. So that's the foundation of, of really making it as best as we, and we're constantly thinking of things to improve it, to add to it, to make more out of it. And, and I think that's what's gonna help us because it's it's not like this is the product, it's set in stone and, and we're done. This is what you're gonna get. We, we're constantly thinking of how to push the envelope. That's a little pun with me. And, uh, <laughs> and that's that's what gets me excited. So that's that's the first thing. And, and then it's just be able to get it to a point where we can start giving back more too. I think, you know, that's a big part of, of companies today, which some do, but some overlook is like, if you're doing something in the world, try and create something good with it, not just profits for yourself and for your family, but how can you make a difference? How can what you're doing, how can it make a bigger impact beyond just yourself? And, and I think that's why some of the attributes that, that we work on. So if it's, you know, fighting misinformation, that's why we partner with Encyclopedia Britannica and, and making kids aware that the source of the information matters. And if they can carry that throughout their life and be aware of that, I think that could lead to, to good things, especially with, with what's going on in the world today. The fact that everything is made out of sustainable and recyclable materials Right, we're supporting the post office, so all, all these different things. We, we we donate a lot of letters to organizations supporting kids, and and that's something I'm really proud of. And seeing how happy it makes the kids is is to me the biggest motivation. And when I talk about mail pop and I present it, there's one slide where we get to a point where it's kid tested, kid approved, and it's the pictures with all the kids holding their letters and smiling. Oh, and I always tell people that is my favorite part of my job. That is what I enjoy the most is seeing the kids' reactions seeing their smiles, the, the feedback from the parents. 
and knowing that the letters are doing something to help and, and creating a positive impact in the world. So, you know, to, to answer your question for the vision, for me, it's to try and map up as successful as we can and to get as many kids around the world to receive the letters and to, to, make, to make it a, a special bond between kids that no matter the walk of life that you, you come from or your culture or your religion or where you, where you live, you can enjoy the letters as a kid the same way. You'll have, you know, you, you don't need a big flat screen TV and high definition, you know, you know speakers to play this video game or, or get something out of it. Right. Every kid can enjoy it the same way. And, and my dream is to, to, to be this common denominator between kids that no matter where you meet them, Maybe it's in college one day. Maybe it's in the workforce one day. Say, you know, I was a male pop kid. I got my, you got the letters, and they can bond over that and have that shared experience. And I think that would be really special. And of course, you know, trying to work with foundations that can help us send male pop letters for free for kids. And I can't think of anything more important than kids. Uh, academics and getting them to fall in love with learning and reading because that will set the tone for the rest of their life. You know, the, the better they are at it, the more they enjoy it, the more they learn, the more they know, they're going to have better outcomes. So if I can, if the letters can impact the kids in such a positive way at a young age, and that can carry throughout their life and, and, and hope them, hopefully be, help them become successful or, or get them to where they want to be, I, I can't think of anything more, more important, anything more meaningful to me that I can do with my time. You sure. know, I, we can do a lot of things. For me, that's just, this is what motivates me, is that if the letters can help in that kind of way, and, and the letters will live on forever, and, and that could be something that, you know, I would be extraordinarily proud of. And like, you know, going back to Kobe and how he motivated me, he, he said his biggest way of how he measures his own success is how his impact then motivated other people to mm. pursue their dreams or, or to fulfill their, their life or do whatever they want to do. And, and that's the same thing for me. Is like if my letters or my story can inspire even one other person to, to do something special, to take that first step, to, to pursue their dream and, and ultimately to help, what else are we here for? What else are we here? Sure. That's the way I look at it. No, I love it. I love it. And I love you just actually touched on the inspiration because that leads me to my second to last question, which is there are a lot of business owners right now or future business owners that are, are, are scared for whatever reason, maybe scared of failure. Uh, or like I said, whatever reason, they're scared to start their own business, to, to take that leap. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they have money to support. Maybe no. they're, they're where they can't pay their bills or they might fail. What is your advice to people in that situation right now that are listening to this, seeing what you've done, no. you didn't make any excuses. You did have a wife, you did have a kid. You yeah. did have kids, excuse me. And you still went on to start yeah. your own business and are, are putting, laying the steps that are gonna make you successful in your business. So uh, what advice would you give to people that are, that are looking to be in your position right now? I would say to start that, there's never going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be a, a, a perfect starting point or, or an opportunity where just everything aligns and you can do it, right? There's going to be some risk involved. There's going to be some sacrifices that you have to make. If it's, you know, the way you spend your money, maybe you, you be a little bit more conservative so you can do something like this. You, you can figure out ways to lower the cost, you know. And, and it's just, you know, for me, it was also... I don't want to look back at this one day when, when you know, old guy, hopefully one day and be like, you know, I, I never quite went for it. I just went through the motions. I, I went through my life, but I didn't do what I wanted to do, or I didn't accomplish what I wanted, or I didn't do what I believe I was meant to be doing. And for me, it's like, I don't want to have that regret one day. It's like, I'm going to do this now. And the worst case thing that can happen, the worst case is it fails, right? And, and and that would be a shame. It would be terrible, right? I'd be a, I would lose some money. I'd lose my time working on this. But I don't see it like that. I, I see it as no matter what happens with MailPop, I've already gotten, personally, I've gotten so much out of it. I know it's helped already so many kids. 
And, you know, I joke all the time that, you know, worst case is just an investment in my kids' education because they get to do all this, they're learning the letters, and hopefully they will get, you know, you know, just like you say, for your kids' college and this and that. So it's just, there's no, there's no easy decision. It's not going to just be, you know, black and white. You wake up, you want to do it one day. I would say... It also takes a lot of planning. It's not like I just woke up one day and said, I'm, you know, I'm going for it. And that's it. I started thinking about it more, doing the research. Can I do it? Do I have enough money to do it? What would I even need to do to get started? So it doesn't have to be this one jump from, from you know, your regular situation to try and do something special. You can kind of take these baby steps. You can ease into it and try and create this vision for yourself of, Know, okay, what do I need to do? Is this something I'm actually capable of doing? Is this something I want to do? Like, even if it's successful, do I want to be there? Do I want to do that? And, and once you start answering some of those questions, I think the decision becomes easier. And, and a big part of this is, especially as, as a solo or, or a husband and wife kind of team, is you have to be very good at proactively figuring out the next steps. Mm. There's a lot of people who give you, here's the guide of how to start your own business. Here's the, the, but, but even you have to find that guide and you have to figure out who to speak with. And right. you have to be very proactive. You have to start feeling more comfortable with putting yourself out there, right? It's, it could be scary putting out, this is my idea. This is my business and how people are gonna receive it. What they're gonna think about me and the, the company. And that was something which I was, you know, admittedly in the past a little bit more conscientious about, you know, I don't know if I want to put myself out there like that. I don't know if I'm ready to, to speak with people and, and share everything. And now I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable in my own skin. And I, 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 I'm in love with, with male pop. I'm in love with the idea of it. I'm in love with what it represents. And I can't stop talking about it. You know, I think about it all day long. <laughs> and and I, I truly love it. It comes back to that, right? If, if you love it, you'll figure it out. Right. And, and you'll find a way to make it successful. And, and I think for me, it's just not giving up. Just keep figuring out how to keep going, to keep going. And eventually, we'll, we'll hopefully have a breakthrough and, and we'll kind of be able to share this on a wider platform and just like we're doing today. And, and, and that's why I'm so grateful to you and what you're doing and, and to, you know, find people like myself and, and, and help share their stories because it's hard, right? It's hard. The, the biggest thing, the biggest challenge is, is to get the word out and to get people to try it and, and to learn about you. As you discussed before, the attention spans are so short. People are, you know, boggled with a million different things they're doing. They're already bombarded by so many ads and emails all day long. So to take the time like this, someone like yourself, and allow me to share my story and help me get it out, uh, I'm forever grateful for you. You know, I, I'm proud of all the work that you're doing, and, okay. and I'm excited for to see, you know, everything that's going to come your way as well. No, absolutely. I appreciate that. And, that, and that's a beautiful segue to my next question, um, which is how can people support you? Either people that listen now, people that listen in the future, how can they support Mill Pop Kids? And if they want to get in contact with you, I know you're the, you're the big boss, you're the big CEO, so I don't know if they can reach you, but uh, at the least, how can they support your business? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, for us, it's, it's just buying a Mill Pop plan. We have four different plans. It really fits any budget, you know, and we're just excited for people to try it, right? Try it, do it with your kids. We hope you'll love it as much as we do. And if you can't, if you can't buy it right now, if you're not ready to try it, share it with someone, right? Talk about it, you know, it helps share the story, it helps share what we're doing. That, that helps a lot. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just excited for, for, for the future and, and grateful again for this opportunity and, and to see, you know, I'd love to stay in touch and, and, and do this in the, in the future and see where, oh, where we are. Where sure, we absolutely, are. absolutely. You, you have my, my platform, you have an open invitation. And, and if people could reach out to me anytime they want, you know, I, I'm a big uh, believer in, in reaching out to people. I cold call people all the time. And that's something I picked up from Kobe as well. You know, he, he used to watch interviews, talk about, he just reach out to random people and want to pick their brain and learn from them. And, and, you know, I'm the same way. I reach out to tens of people all day long of, of just trying to 
get in front of them, get a call with them, understand how they did things, how they got their business to a certain level. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can email me at, at, at daniel at mailpopkids.com. I'm always happy to have conversations with people, share anything that I can, help people. And, and I believe that's what the world should be about, of people finding ways to help each other, enjoying the, the possibility of helping somebody and not just think about what's in it for me, but you know, just being the, the doing it in the kindness of your heart of sure. you know, if I can make one introduction and this can help this person, or if I can give them some advice and it can help them per, that person, I'm a big proponent of that, and, and that's a big way of how I've been able to to get to where I am today as well. A hundred percent. And 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 forgive me if I missed this, but I don't think you mentioned uh, the male pop male pop kids website. So can you please share yeah. that? So it, the website is is mailpopkids.com. And you know, again, you can learn more about this what we do and how we how we offer the plans and just excited for people to learn more and try it and, and do something special with their kids. I think it all comes down to that meaningful bonding time with the children, getting them excited about learning and reading, doing it on a weekly basis, which I think is is important, and, and just creating this special special bonding time between the parents and the kids. That's that's what gets me excited. Sure. And then you also mentioned that you're accessible on LinkedIn. So it's yeah. Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, Samic, S-O-M-E-C-H, correct? Yeah. And make sure anybody can find you if they, if they want yeah, to. Please do. Please okay. do. I would love to connect and, and, and help anyone I can. Okay, perfect. Well, Daniel, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to, to, to join us here. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to, to say? I just want to thank you again for, for having me. And, and I truly enjoyed our conversation. And, and thank you for, for the time. It's, it's something which I don't take for granted. And I'm excited for people to, to hear this story and hopefully help them in, in any way that it can and, and inspire people. And, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And again, like I said earlier, you have an open platform here with us. Um, I'd love to have you on when you have things to share and you know things you want to talk about, we have an open invitation. So thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you All so right. much. Until next time.